Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week, I have been talking to Karen Newton. Karen has had a lot of success in her tennis career. She reached the quarterfinals in junior Wimbledon. And as a pro, she reached rankings in the top 500 in singles and the top 250 in doubles. And she won numerous pro doubles titles along the way. During this chat, we talk about playing the junior Grand Slams. We talk about the amazing event in Dublin when Karen played against Martina Navratilova when she was aged just 17. We also talk about some of the main challenges Karen faced while she was on the tour and how she reacted to those. We talk about her best moments on tour and we talk about how tennis still plays a part in Karen's life these days. I really enjoyed talking to Karen and I think you'll enjoy this chat as well. So here we go. Here is Karen Nugent. All right, Karen, a big thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how are things with you? Everything is really good, thank you. Enjoying the, the better weather and being out, out and about playing a bit of tennis, a bit of golf. Yeah, yeah, so, no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I just want to jump straight in, Karen. Um, was it, what, all the way back to kind of the start of your, your tennis journey, where did that start for you and how did you get into tennis? So I got into tennis. Um, my dad actually wanted my brother to play a sport. And he was three years older than me, so he was nearly 10. And he started him playing tennis. So I was brought along as a younger sister, and I just liked it. I used to pick the balls up. Um, I used to have to play with my mother because she wasn't as good as my dad. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I just, I liked it, and I kind of had a flair for it. So pretty, pretty much the summer of my seventh birthday, I think I started playing. Okay. And we started playing a lot, pretty much straight away, I'd say after maybe six months a year, my dad actually put a court at the front of the house. Okay. Um, so we lived in Ballybottle, which is North County Dublin. And um, we joined Malahide quite quickly. Um, but he put a court out the front so myself and my brother could practice together. Yeah, yeah. And I guess even to jump forward a bit, as you did keep playing as a, a junior and obviously, you know, having, having a good bit of success, how quick was it that you then started to even travel abroad and, and start to try some of those those you know, I mean, tennis Europe event, ITF event, that kind of thing, and, and start to see some yeah. success there. Well, um, I started playing tournaments pretty much straight away. I'd say maybe when I was eight, I can't remember exactly, I started playing tournaments. And by the time I was 10, I started to, I was winning some of the under 12 tournaments. So I was under 10, I was winning the under 12 tournaments. And there was a guy at the time called Harry Barnival, who I don't know if you'd known, but a lot of the older players would know him. Yeah, age group and older he used to take the top two under 12 boys and top two under 12 girls away and um, each year to, to the UK and he'd play two two weeks over there so yeah. the first time I went I was 10 and there was actually there was two boys Stuart Doyle and Scott Barron that were both quite good and they were 12 so he went to this tournament in Cheltenham which was a really strong English tournament it would have been one of the top um English tournaments at the time and I played the under 10s and the under 12s and there was another girl there with me, Katrina McCarthy, and then the boys played the under 12s and we, we all did quite well. I think I lost in the final to Amanda Wainwright, who it's funny, like the first time I played her, I was under 10 and there was another girl I played was Lorna Woodroff. I played them the whole way through and they both became professional tennis players and um, they were the top English girls the whole way through and I started playing them at that age. Um, and then I went on. I know, um, so I actually went with Dr. Marnell, sorry, three years in a row. I was lucky enough under 10 and under 12 that year. And then I played under 12s the next, the following two years. So I, I had a little bit of travel, um, even at a very young age. 
And then um, there was under 14, we started to travel European championships. Um, I know tennis are incentives. I went twice, I think, to a tournament in Belgium around Christmas time. And the second time I went, um, I did quite well. I got to the semifinals. So when I came back, my dad was looking for other tournaments for me to go to that he was going to take me to. And then he found this tournament, Le Petit Ass. It's in France. It's a very well-known tournament. Um, there's like the Orange Bowl under 14, and this one would be the European one. And like when you look down the list of who's won it previously, it would have been like Arantxa Sanchez, um, Michael Chang, you know, all the, the top names won it. And I went and played that. Um, it was a really strong tournament, a huge tournament. And that's the first time I saw Hingis. Okay. So she was nine at the time. But it's interesting enough, she was there at nine. She was with her, with her mum. And I remember all the hype about her because she arrived. Her name was written on the side of her car at nine years of age. Um, she had a camera crew following her around. Um, like there was a big hype about her already at that stage. And she lost in the semis of that tournament to Davenport. Um, so like all the big names were there. Um, even at, at that, you know, early age of under 14. And it kind of shows if you're not competing in the best tournaments at that age, it is very hard to, to do it later on. Um, but yeah, Davenport, I think, beat her in the semis, like six, four or something in the third, something very close. But I remember she was quite small and everyone kept trying to hit the ball over her head and she just stood on the baseline and took the ball early. And that's the way she even played in her senior career. She used to take the ball very early. And I presume it's from when she was young, people trying to overpower her and push her back and she just stood her line on the baseline. Um, but look, I was traveling loads. Um, when I was about 16, I pretty much went full time playing tennis. In fourth year, I stopped going to school. I started traveling lots of junior tournaments. Um, I always had a sort of serve and volley game, um, even from a very young age. And I was quite small and fragile. So probably my stature didn't really suit how I played, but it was just my natural, my natural game style. And I did actually grow eventually, but not till I was maybe 16 or 17. I'm tall enough now, but um, I was very small when I was younger. But Wimbledon was always the big tournament for me. And because of my game style, we kind of figured out I'd have a chance to do quite well at junior Wimbledon. So we kind of made a plan probably from when I was about 16 or so to get my ranking high enough. And um, previously, a few years before, and they kind of accepted the top Irish um, male and female into junior Wimbledon. They had stopped doing that in the previous, say, five or six years. I'm not sure exactly, but I know for a couple of years there hadn't been anybody playing in them. So we started off when I was about 16, trying to, you know, I went to group five tournaments, won a couple of them, group four tournaments, got my ranking up. Um, and I got into junior Wimbledon when I was under 17, so a year young. And I played um, their first round match, five, two up in the third, and I lost. And I don't know if I froze or what it was, but it was really good that I actually had that year to play, yeah. count the courts or whatever else you do when you go to a tournament, you know, find out kind of feel comfortable there and I think that's why the second year when I went back um, I was able to get to the quarterfinals because it wasn't that new I felt quite familiar and comfortable there where I think when you go to something like a grand slam your first time it, it's so overwhelming that yeah. um, it's hard to for people to to win matches and stuff um, so I actually played under 17 I played Wimbledon and I didn't even bother entering the French because I was never any good on clay and it was for me playing a month and clay wouldn't have even done my game any good sort of at that time so 
played junior under 17. Then I went to US Open and I played there and I won my first round match there and I lost in three, three sets my second round match. So it was good even there to, to get a, you know, a win under my belt. And then obviously played um, the next year. And then again, didn't bother going to French. Went to, I think I played the Italian juniors when I was 16. That was again, it was kind of, there was a group of uh, good girls that were playing a lot of ITFs. They were a couple of years older than me. And there was maybe two or three of us that traveled. And we went to a group of three or four tournaments in Italy and I played them. Um, and then, so then I went to Wimbledon the second year and um, yeah, just had a really good one. I got to the quarterfinals, which I think is the furthest any Irish juniors ever got. And um, I was hoping Simon Carr got to the last 16 and was really, he was doing really well. I was hoping he was going to keep pushing on. And there's another couple of people I know, Stephen Nugent got to the last 16 and Owen Casey, he also got to the last 16. So, um, so obviously I'm really proud of that. Um, I lost to a Korean girl, uh, six, four and a third. And I had chances. Yeah. Um, in that match and then she lost to Hingis in the final um like five and two and um, but again all the big names like Hingis beat Kornikova in the quarters um I can't remember exa exactly I know that was definitely a, a quarter final match but it's the same names you just keep seeing the whole time around especially at the really top junior tournaments um so that was good and um, I was quite lucky when I was 13 um Sean Byrne from who owned Pamela Scott's, he built Riverview, David Lloyd's. Yeah. So there was a whole group of us, um, obviously Scott, his son, and there was maybe 10, 12 that were on national squad at the time. And we suddenly got to train indoors in Riverview with a gym and all that other stuff. So that really helped the whole group of us um, kind of come along. And the year, a couple of years before I played the Grand Slams, there was um, one other girl played Katrina McCarthy. There was Deirdre Walsh had a good ranking top hundred I know um, Scott Barron had played a lot of tournaments so there was kind of a group of us which was really good because we were pushing each other along so I think that's that helped me and I think that's something that we kind of lack at the moment because like even with Simon he was probably the only one playing the Grand Slams or he was the only one traveling where if you can get two or three and they start pushing each other along and even just you go to a tournament and there's two years in the quarters and you're thinking well there's another Irish person in the same level. So it's not that special, yeah. you know, it just encourages you to kind of push along. And as well, if you're there with the support of another player or just even someone else at their same level. So that definitely benefited me. And I, I know it's hard to do that, but I think that would be good for Irish tennis if they could get sort of a couple of kids traveling and, you know, playing those tournaments really help. And it has kind of happened over the years. I know, and um, it was Amy Battelle and uh, Sam Barry and those, there was a group there. And then there has been little groups and pockets, but it's very difficult unless you're kind of in one of those groups to, to get anywhere. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Obviously having, you know, if you can have a few, even a, a couple of people, I can see how that does make a huge difference. And it's great even just hearing you talk there about the juniors and you know the, some of the names that you know, obviously did go on to have a lot of success. And, and as you say, an incredible achievement reaching quarterfinals of, of, of Wimbledon when you were, 18. Um, and, and tell me as well, I'm interested in, I guess, around, around 17 as well, this, this event in, in Dublin when I know some big stars came over and I actually don't know very much about this. So can you tell me a bit about this? And I know it was, must have been a, a great experience for you. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I was very fortunate. So um, 
bank who was called permanent TSB at the time, they um, did an event in Dublin and they invited eight of the top 10 players. And that was, um, I think, 1992. And then they were doing it again the next year. So to make it a bit different, they said they were going to give a wild card to an Irish person, an Irish girl to play in the event. So it would be an Irish person and seven of the top 10 in the world, which is just ridiculous. Um, and Matt Doyle, I think, was quite involved with it. And at the time, I knew I was in with a chance of getting it because I'd been playing number one. I think I played number one Fed Cup that year with European team championships. I played a couple of singles at number one as well. So I knew I was kind of in the, the ballpark for it. But there would have been others who, you know, I'd been thinking that they might have had a chance of being picked for it. But anyway, um, I got told, I think, around October uh, time that, you know, I was going to be playing. and then. Soon enough after, they said that they were going to do the draw, so I would be playing Navratilova on the Friday night. So they sent a limo out for me on the Thursday, picked me up. Um, so I'm my own limo driver the whole weekend. They had gave me the same, pretty much whatever they gave the, the top players they gave to me. I had a so-called personal assistant, which was to organise dinners and you know, tickets if you want to go for a show. I didn't really want to go anywhere. I was happy hanging out at... The event, um, they gave me two suites in Jury's Towers at the time. So I had one and my mother had the other one next door. Like it wasn't, it was quite um, innocent stuff. And then like you go down for dinner and the chef would come out and say, what would you like? Um, so of course I'd even like pasta and chicken because that's all you ate at that stage. And it was a phenomenal experience. Um, we got to train, they built the court in the RDS, huge stands, all this sort of stuff, sponsorship, all of our TV for probably two or three months beforehand, they, they'd taken pictures pretty much once they announced it, they had to do a photo shoot. So in every bank in Dublin was my picture along with these other amazing players, which was really cool. Anyway, then they built the court. I got to go down and practice on it a couple of days beforehand. I think Navratha Rova arrived on the Thursday. She said the previous week, actually, she played in Germany in a similar event and played a German girl and absolutely stuffed her in like 45 minutes. So I would be doing press stuff and they'd be saying, you know, she played last week against some girl ranked 200 in the world and beat her in 47 minutes in an exhibition. I'm thinking, okay, but when you're 17, I suppose you think you're invincible. And, you know, I kind of thought, she goes, if everything really goes my way, maybe I have a chance. And that's what you think when you're 17 if I had to do something like now this stage of my life after I'd be much more cautious or you know I'd be looking at the negative side but at that age you just look at the positives you just you just go out and you know everything's an opportunity there's no negatives there's no downsides your, your naivety is really you know really helps you so um she said if I wanted to hit with her beforehand I could and I remember even thinking Jeannie, she's only trying to suss out my game. Maybe I should say no. But then someone said to me, no, don't say no. Just go and hit with her. So I went on the Friday. We hit for maybe half an hour, 40 minutes. She was she was very nice to me. Then went back and got ready for my match. Went to the arena, like packed. Loads of people I know. Loads of cameras. Loads, just just a surreal whole, whole thing. Went out to play and actually played really well. I lost 6-2, 6-3. Like, I remember, I think the second or third game, I hit a running forehand pass, yeah. past her, you know, stuff like that that kind of settled your nerves a little bit. Um, I was able to serve volley and come in. Um, I lost first set 6 2. I think the second set, I was kind of with her a little bit to sort of 
maybe three all. And then I think I got my serve broke and that was probably, probably it. But like, I definitely wasn't annihilated or hockey during like that. I, I held my own pretty well. So that was, um, that was really cool and a, a really good experience. And then I was obviously there for the rest of the weekend and I chatted to her a little bit. She was very nice. We, there was a lot of events and stuff that you'd go to. And as I was I said, like a couple of years, just the last few years, RTE had Navratilova back on the Late Late Show. She did some, she came out to do some motivational talks with um, some companies here and uh, RTE invited me in and they organized me to meet her afterwards. And she was really nice. And she said she could remember, I don't know, so I'm sure she just says that anyway, but um, really, really nice. Got to meet her again. And as she met her, when um, I was playing the juniors in Wimbledon, when it gets to the quarterfinal stage, they move everyone to the main changing room. So when you get go to junior grand slams, you're in the junior area, which is actually Orangi Park. Once it gets to the quarterfinals, they move you to the main changing room. So I'm in the changing room. So quarterfinals day with Navarlova. I said hello to her. How are you? Um, do you remember me from Dublin? And she said, Oh yeah. Um, good luck or whatever. And that was that was all. But look, I got to meet her again a couple of years ago, which was which was really nice, and it's it's such a positive experience. And I have pictures and stuff even in my house, and I still love them. So it was it was a really nice thing to do. Really yeah, no, cool. Amazing, amazing. Is mm. it, what, what what other players were there, and did, did you have much interaction with with some of the other players? And um, so there was Monica Sellis was supposed to be there, but about I don't know four weeks or something before the date. The guy that had stabbed her it was supposed to be one of our sort of warm up tournaments to come back on the tour. The guy that stabbed her was let out of prison or something to, happened with him or let out bail. I don't know what he was. And she pulled out pretty much a day or two afterwards. And um, so she wasn't there, but it was um, Arantxa Sanchez Vicario, Mary Pierce, Annika Hoover, and uh, Mary Joe Fernandez. I can't think of the top of my head. But like all names like that, like mm-hmm. I think Sanchez just previously won the French. I know Navratilova won Wimbledon six months later. Mary Jo, um, you know, was top three or four. Pierce was kind of on the way up. Pierce wasn't really that friendly. The rest of them were kind of would acknowledge me and, yeah. you know, come and talk to me and say hello. Mary Pierce didn't really acknowledge anyone and she wasn't that friendly or like you'd see when she was with her she speaks perfect English obviously and when she was with her assistant or whatever the lady that was there to help her they just spoke she she had a friend with her and they just spoke in French all the time she wasn't that friendly but the rest of them were all very nice to me and you know would have gone out of their way and made a point of saying hello and that sort of stuff so yeah unbelievable experience and just the group of people you were around it was amazing Yes. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And Karen, yeah. just to move you on a little bit again, I guess, onto, onto, onto the Pro Tour, what would you moved on to kind of after those, those junior days? And the first thing I was wondering was, I guess, in terms of singles and doubles, you mentioned kind of serve and volley was sort of your style. And I know that looking through results, doubles is where you had more success. So how was that balance for you of focusing on doubles and I guess maybe keeping the singles up? How, how did you find that? Well, I suppose in reality, I didn't really focus on doubles. Maybe in hindsight, I should have. Doubles always came very naturally to me and even at that like age my ranking was around 200 quite easily without I'd say too much you know focus on I just played the doubles when I was at the singles tournaments so I, I didn't really focus on it and I know people would have said to me would you maybe later on in your career would you have specialized in doubles I wanted to be a singles player 
at the time I didn't really want to specialize in doubles it maybe it should have been and it wasn't really something that was done so much then it is now and has been probably in the last 10 12 years especially the men's first but now there is also women that specialize um in doubles and they make a great living out of it and all that sort of stuff and maybe it, it could have been something I looked at but at the time like I think I was 18 19 my ranking was around 200 and that was you know just winning 10s 25s that sort of stuff um doing well well in those events so probably if I wanted to push my doubles I would have had to move away from tournaments that I could have got into in singles yeah um to you know get my doubles ranking up but I didn't really do it no I just I was more interested in singles I played then so that was maybe not 94 was junior Wimbledon, and then I played the next year 95 I got selected to go on the ITF team so mm. that is a team put together by the ITF and for me there was they kind of pick people like Irish people people from Cyprus Greece um, at the time, there was a Bolivian girl, there was a Polish girl, a Greek girl, um, and myself. There was four of us. And then the ITF sent a coach with us around to 10s and 25s. It was to try and kind of encourage us because it's much harder, obviously, coming from Ireland than it would be if you're coming from the UK or America, where they have they can send teams. So I was on that team for about six, nine months. Um, but then I got sick and I stopped um, training at the time so um, when I did come back it was like four years later so obviously I'd missed that opportunity yeah yeah but, uh, yeah and and so just to move on a little bit I guess again so you, you did spend a lot a long time on, on the pro tour and, and had you know had, had, a, had a good lot of success over the years so what, what, how do you kind of look back on it in terms of highlights or, or kind of proudest moments you had on the tour well definitely like my tennis journey was kind of a little bit different because I really committed to tennis at the age of 17. I, you know, gave up school, decided I wasn't going to go to college tennis. At the time, you know, if you wanted to go pro, you had to go pro. Going through college, you could do it that way, but it, it was very unlikely. You're talking like one in 100 come out of college or one in 500, like very few, maybe one every couple of years. Now, I know nowadays going to college, the, the numbers are a little bit higher it's still not the direct route it's definitely the the skirt around the, the place route to to go to pro tennis but so I gave committed to 100% played junior grand slams on the ITF team and then I went to Fed Cup in Africa and um, when I was 19 and I got sick and I came back and I wasn't very well for a couple of months and then I went back and played another you know a couple of months on tour and that was when I was on the ITF team. So it wasn't really a great time for me to not be playing. And then it came to the end of that year when I was 19 and I was really was very sick. And I ended up pretty much missing four years. Wow. So from 19 to 23, I played maybe six months here and there, but just pretty much missed four years. Like I had six months in hospital, I had numerous operations. So that were pretty much put a big stop on the path I was on because I was kind of on a pretty good path you know I'd done very well in juniors the girls that I would have seen as my counterparts were you know moving on I was on the ITF team the other three girls I was on the ITF team with uh, two of them were well inside the top 100 you know in a year yeah. two down the line one girl I think it was the other girl was maybe 300 350 so you know I was on a good path but 
I just had to come off that path. And then I suppose when I was about 23, I got healthy again. Probably not as, as healthy as I, I would have been originally, but, you know, healthy enough that I could get back playing. And um, I did get back playing. And at the start, it was more just for my own sake to be able to, to get out and play and then compete. And I still wanted to compete. Um, and then I played for the next pretty much seven years. I had one or two little bleeps where I had to stop for a little time, but nothing um, too serious. And, you know, so it definitely derailed my career. And I know a lot of people talk about, oh, because I remember when I was giving up school, people were saying, what are you going to do if you get injured? Mm. And um, nobody ever said to me, what are you going to do if you get sick? It's just something you, not, you don't think about. Um, but look, I'm not one to say I would have done better if it hadn't have happened. This is life and you're playing with the hands you're dealt. And, and I'm really proud of what I achieved in my career, especially my Fed Cup career. Um, like I started playing Fed Cup I think, in 93 and I played all the way. I know I missed years in between, but I played all the way to 2004. So I had a really long career and I played, you know, I play any match. I remember being at events and other people like I'd be there. I'd have played singles, a couple of doubles. And come to the next day and others I'm not sure if I'm a bit injured and I didn't care what was wrong with me I'd go out and play I just love playing for Ireland it was just it's just the ultimate but I thought it was absolutely deadly I felt like I was Roy Keane running around with my jersey on it's that sort of experience um but um so that was definitely my Fed Cup career is something I'm really proud of um I think I've 31 matches um 20 wins the record for most doubles wins so it's definitely something and yeah. even with missing you know I probably I don't know how many years I missed I probably missed three or four years maybe in the middle of it and to still have that sort of record it's definitely something I'm really proud of yeah yeah and would, in, you know in terms of the Fed Cup would you have any like ties or matches in particular that stand out to you from those all those Fed Cup years definitely like Fed Cup it oh it was hard like you even see now you're playing things you get promotion and then the next year you don't quite do as well and you might stay a year or two it's it's very bloody stressful like playing matches you're putting like the whole week everybody's putting their heart and soul into it and then eventually you get maybe to a playoff and you know it was it's just such a different balance to to other tournaments so particularly can I remember matches not off the top of my head there was lots of matches where you know, some matches we, we won easy, but we got, you know, we got to the next stage where we wanted to be. Some matches we lost tightly. We didn't, you know, get to, to where we wanted to go. There was, there was loads of matches. I do remember being in, I think it was Malta, and it looked like we were going to beat GB, which would have been awesome. And um, I think we lost the first singles. Uh, second singles, there was another Irish girl, Kelly Diggan, was playing. She was like a set up. And well up in the second set, and it would be myself and Yvonne to play doubles, and we were like ninety percent sure, like we'd have beaten the girls we'd have been playing in doubles week in week out. And Kelly Lincoln went over her ankle, um, and that was it. It was over. I remember that because it would have been brilliant to come home having beaten, you know, GB at a Fed Cup, and um, so there was there was loads of really good experiences, and just the whole um, team event and the team bonding, and you know, I travelled a good bit with Yvonne Doyle, and we got on you know really well and then there was others like Jean and Ireland and Elsa Reen there was loads of really nice you know good girls and good times Leslie O'Halloran you know that we had on those trips so really good experiences 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, great stuff. And and I was going to ask you, Karen, I guess, about kind of challenges that you faced over the course of your career. And I guess you mentioned, obviously, that kind of probably, I'd, I'd assume, the biggest one in, in terms of sickness. So then when you came back from that sickness, was there kind of a new perspective almost of tennis that you wouldn't have had before and you almost saw it in a, saw a tennis career in, in a slightly different way? Well, well, kind of what I was saying to you about playing never at the low, but like I was probably quite a cocky young um, tennis player um, but that's the way you have to be like even that you know little English girl I can't pronounce her second name Emma you know she has that um, naivety that's just brilliant now I know she then had a little bit of a, a mishap and it all maybe got to her a little too much in the end but you have to have that naivety and I think when I came back I'd lost that I was aware of all the pitfalls and downfalls so I don't know if I had no problem going out to play Martine Navratilova, who was we one or two in the world at the time at 17. Where I think when I came back when I was 23, 24, I don't know if I would have been as well able to cope with something like that because I would have been much more aware of this can actually go wrong. Where I think when you're you're young and 16, 17, 18, that was sort of age, you don't think anything's going to go wrong. And that's when, you know, a lot of players make these big jumps because, you know, they go out and playing grand slams. They go out and you know they're not aware of the pitfalls and that sort of stuff so I think probably in a negative way when I came back I was much more aware of my vulnerability that sort of thing which you know isn't a great thing but then I was also just happy to be you know back playing and training and being healthy and you know I still had the fight to play and all of that sort of stuff so definitely it was it was good in that way and I suppose it makes you realise that tennis is not the only thing in the world. Yeah. That sometimes when you're playing prof- professional sport, it does sort of feel like all-consuming and like it is everything. But I suppose realistically, it, it's not. But you have yeah. to you have to treat it like it is everything. You can't. Yeah. Nobody's going out like like a Djokovic and people like that. Like I don't know how they do it for so long, but they just. You know, they commit everything to it. They, their whole life is, is built around it. And I know all professional sports like that, but I think especially individual sports, I think tennis is definitely one of the hardest sports mentally and physically. Um, like there's most sports you can take a couple of weeks off and not train and still come back and maybe train a couple of weeks. But in tennis, you don't really get the opportunity to ever do that. Uh, yeah, so it is yeah, all yeah. consuming. Yeah, no, sure. And, and I guess as you as we said you kind of were on the, the tour for a long time and I guess by the time it almost came to looking at retiring was that sort of a natural thing for you or how did that kind of come about was there sort of an injury in particular or, or how did your kind of days come, come to a close? I suppose it actually happened quite quickly I was at a tournament in the Canaries and I was I suppose I kind of I felt I had given it a good go which I definitely wanted to do I didn't want to you know, if I never come back at 23 or 24, I think that would have been a real disappointment. So I definitely did give it, I kicked it as hard as I could. And I kind of, I was in the Canaries playing a tournament. My, both my parents were there and halfway through the match, I think I won the first set and I just decided I, maybe I was losing a second set or something like that. I just had enough and I started to cry on the court and I just decided in the middle of the match that that was it I'd had enough and I was finished and I remember when I came off the court my dad was like Gene Marcus if tennis upset you this much why are you doing I said well I'm finished he's like well hold on you don't need to make that decision like right now and I was like no no I'm finished I've I'm done that's my last event and he was like 
what is this just a reaction because and I said no I just I've decided and it was that that quick I just decided I'm done um, yeah. And, yeah yeah and, and yeah when, when that happened then how how was was life after that was, was there a big change for you did you kind of find it difficult to adjust almost to, to a new lifestyle not really I think probably a bit easier because I'd had long chunks of being yeah. off and being away from tennis and even through the years I probably had bouts of maybe three to six months where post when I'd come back so maybe 26 27 I can't remember exactly the dates where I didn't play so I was fine with that um I pretty much we had a family business and I went to work pretty much straight away in the family business um and I was happy to do that and then I wanted to do a few other things I obviously tennis was it's in my DNA like it's in my blood it's just feels like it's part of me so I couldn't just step away from tennis. so I started to coach and I really enjoyed that and I did that for maybe seven or eight years I did level one level two I did them I think I was the, the first female to have the modern level three they kind of had a new level three course out and I was the, the first female to do that so I did all the coaching qualifications I really enjoyed the coaching I was working a little bit with um mostly with performance there was a performance Leinster squad assigned quite young kids that was a filler international squad so I did that and I was coach to the Fed Cup team one year and I did that and I really enjoyed it but I was also at the first couple of years I was working got a part-time coaching and then I was doing another job as well and then I just decided that I was enjoying working in business um, mm. So we have a couple of food businesses and they were doing better and they were busier. And I decided to step away from the coaching and concentrate more on the business. And I've been doing that and they're going really well. So, so that's really good. But a lot of actually what you do in tennis is very transparent into business. Like I, I like sales because to me, it's very much win lose sort of similar to sport. Yeah. I get a buzz, you know, if, you know, some of the guys, get big accounts or you know that sort of stuff I enjoy that sort of part to it so I think there's a big transfer from from sport especially at a professional level and all the stuff you have to do self-motivation and stuff like that like a lot of business and things is you know moving things along you have to to do it yourself and or you have to start it yourself and stuff like that so there's a great transfer so I didn't find it that it that hard I do remember thinking after a year or two that actually life not playing tennis is easier as in it's a very difficult playing full-time tennis is I loved it and I wouldn't change it for anything but it's definitely not an easy um thing to do like all the traveling you know the traveling is is really hard and you're at the level that I was at if you're playing grand slams I'm sure you're going private jets it's a lot easier but um traveling and planes trains and automobiles is um it's it's definitely it's it's tough and traveling all the time and training and being sore all the time and stuff and a couple of years afterwards I just kind of realized I'm not sore every day I'm not tired I don't have to get up at five o'clock tomorrow on Monday morning go to wherever it is and get a plane and a train and you know possibly get to a club where I'll know nobody and be going around looking to try and get someone to practice with me so life was definitely easier in a way I'm not saying it's easy but um not doing all of that so it's, it's definitely quite challenging traveling and playing on the tour 
Yeah, no, for sure. And like, it's nice to hear you say kind of how the, the transfer was from, from tennis and how some of the skills and you can kind of see similarities almost in, in, in kind of the more, the more business side of life. And, and I guess then, yeah, and, and even now, how is tennis in your life? Obviously, maybe you're not doing the coaching and stuff you were doing. How's your relationship with tennis these days? My relationship with tennis is pretty good. I'm very involved. I joined Malahide, I think, when I was about seven years of age. So they were very kindly let me in. I think you weren't supposed to be nine. You were supposed to be nine originally when they let you in, but because I was a good little player, let me in when I was seven. So that's been my club since then. So I'm still involved in the club. I was present there about four years ago and we put in some mini courts and some midi courts and, you know, we did some good stuff that kind of hope, hopefully brought the club on another little step. Um, I'd be still very involved in the club. My husband's president currently. Um, they're trying to do indoor courts. And I've played, I've up now, obviously this year I haven't played league and I didn't play last year, but previously I was playing class one league for the club and, you know, marching out whenever I was requested to. And, you know, I really in, in, enjoy that. And I definitely, it's funny, I was talking to my husband, I was saying to him, um, you know, when you play professional tennis, you don't actually realize the social part to a tennis club. So it took me a couple of years to kind of get my head around the social part to tennis, like going out to the club to events and having a good time and making new friends in the club environment yeah. and not trying to kill everyone on the court. And, you know, that was a, definitely an adjustment. And, you know, especially it was really good when I was on the committee in the club because you go to these events and I play with, you know, because you, you'd want to be supporting them. So you'd be playing with class five and class six players and you get to meet a whole range of people and they're delighted to get to hit balls with you. And, you know, I experienced a whole other side to tennis that I probably didn't know really existed. Um, and I'm getting to enjoy all that now. And tennis has been amazing to me. Like, all my good friends, well, most of them have come from tennis. Like I've friends that I know would do anything for me and I do anything for them. And it's, I think training and playing and competing and traveling together makes this bond that is just really strong. And I've definitely got a huge amount out of tennis. And even um, like there's probably six or eight people that from tennis that I'm still really close with. And I think, you know, to be able to say that at my young age, um, <laughs> is it's a, a really good thing so tennis has been wonderful for me wonderful to me in that way as well yeah, no it's great that's no, great to hear um, and just a couple of, of final questions for you karen um firstly i guess from all your your pro days and and days playing kind of competitive tennis did you have a, a, a one single match or one single win that would stand out as kind of a one that you'd remember the best or a, a best win for you it's probably the two things we touched on, like beating the number six seed in junior room to get to quarterfinals. That was definitely one. And then Navratilova obviously just stands out like a shining light. You know, one of my biggest disappointments was actually um, I could have went to 96 Atlantic Olympics to play doubles. Okay. Um, I, my ranking was high enough, but at the time I wasn't healthy and I couldn't go. So missing the Olympics is definitely something that I'd love to have have done and sort of have experienced it and have those memories so that's one that I, I definitely missed but the, the the ones that I most were definitely those two yeah yeah two it, it would have been another nice thing to have kind of on the on the tennis cv for sure the, the definitely yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I went to junior a, olympics and that was, that was okay. yeah 
And that was an amazing experience in a totally dubbed down different way. So I can only imagine um, the experience of being an athlete at an Olympic Games must be phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and just a, a final question, Karen. Um, what, what's, you kind of touched on maybe some, some bits of this just, just a minute ago, but what, what's your favourite thing about tennis, do you think? Well, it's the, the individual fight. That's what... I actually don't know if I picked tennis or it's just... And I don't know if anyone actually picks their sport. I like all sports. I was very good at ga when I was a little kid. Um, I was able to do pretty much all sports with anything with a ball. And then my dad brought my brother to tennis. So tennis wasn't just there. And then I started playing tennis. But I would think if my dad brought me to golf, I would have just played golf. Or if he brought me to kickboxing, I think it's actually the, the individual sport. I think people either choose a team sport or an individual sport. And I think individual sports is probably what I liked. And tennis was just the outlet that I could compete. And okay, I do like, I love the game of tennis, but I don't know if I actually picked tennis. I think I was just brought along. And I think probably most of the people that you've had on your podcast, like, did they actually go out of the way and pick tennis? Or was it just that their parents played? Or, you know, even yourself, did you decide walking down the street when you're a little kid, I want to play tennis? Or were you just pulling the tennis club? So, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I think, yeah, yeah I, I definitely think, but it's, it's the competing, like I, started to play a little bit of golf just because there's nothing else you could do when the lockdown list is either tennis or golf and I'm I'm the same with that it's an individual sport and I really like the competitiveness and trying to do the best you can and you can't blame anyone else you can't you know it's um it's just you and I think that's what's attracted me to it and I did actually when I stopped playing tennis I tried to play other sports I played soccer I joined a, a soccer team there about two years ago I joined a a gaha team and I, and I do like the team sports but i think it's the individual part that really you know is, is what what attracts people like myself to it yeah yeah no, really interesting really interesting um karen i think um we'll leave it there uh, I, I really appreciate your you really appreciate your time obviously coming on and and sharing some of those stories um really enjoyed that and some of the the the, the journey your, your your own journey in, in tennis is is fascinating so a big thanks and i guess all, all, all the best with with everything and yeah thanks again Thank you very much, Adam, and thanks for asking me. I really appreciate um, being included, so thank you very much. A huge thanks once again to Karen Nugent for her time with this episode. I really enjoyed getting to talk to Karen and to learn more about her tennis story and hear about her story along the way. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, please do consider subscribing to the show, liking the video and leaving a comment or a, a review. It really makes a difference, so thank you for that. Until next time, I've been Adam and goodbye.